It's been said that in life, you either stand for something or you fall for anything. I couldn't agree more. What's up, guys? Gator Johnny here, and this is episode 83 of the Gator Pit. Captain America is one of my absolute favorite superheroes. I was never a big fan of his powers. He doesn't really have any. Just the, the super soldier serum, which gives him superhuman strength and speed and healing ability and all of that stamina. But he's not as strong as Spider-Man. He doesn't have a suit of armor like Iron Man. He's not an alien like Superman. He's not as smart or rich or have the tools of Batman. He's not as fast as Flash. But what Captain America has is this, this just unbreakable belief system. He stands for something. He stands for freedom. He stands for the American way. And he, he defends that. There's a quote, a Captain America quote that goes, this is what this is what he said. He said, it doesn't matter what the press says. It doesn't matter what the politicians or the mobs say. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. How deep is that? To stand for something and believe in it so strongly that no matter what anyone tells you, you will not, not be dislodged by, from that spot. You will not be uh, changed in your belief. You will keep moving forward with that belief. That's deep. That is a courage that I wish I had. And I, I like to believe I do. And I'm sure everyone else out there can stand and go, I got that courage, of course. But we all know very well that public pressure, public opinion, the opinion of our friends, their views have made us either deny our belief or act against it at certain times, right? And that belief, and I'm not even talking about like something big like freedom, like what William Wallace was fighting. I'm not talking about a country like Captain America. It could be something small. You know, you come up with an idea and you share it and everyone says, no, that's stupid, dude. What are you doing? And you change your mind and you don't pursue that idea. There's a courage required to think like Captain America, to, to stand behind your truth and defend it to the very end. That's a courage that not a lot of us have. But in my pursuit of a passion-filled life, it's a necessity. It's a necessity because you are going to have naysayers, haters, and trolls that are going to dislodge you. And look around. I mean, most of the great figures, the, the famous figures or the successful figures in our lives stand for something, right? My personal hero was Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter. He stood for conservation. He didn't care what you said. He believed these animals should be saved and conserved and, and the world should be conserved. And that was his point of view. It didn't matter what you believed. You weren't shaking him. Gary Vaynerchuk, 
Gary Vaynerchuk stands for for entrepreneurship and 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 helping people through social media and technology. That's what he stands for. That's what he believes in, and he will he will defend that every day of the week. Uh, Eric Thomas, Eric Thomas, motivational speaker. He believes in the grind. He believes you got to go out there and outwork everybody. Doesn't matter what you want to do. He believes and stands for the grind. Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins believes in personal power, in personal improvement, in in self-help. You know what I mean? Like that's Tony Robbins' stance on life and he'll defend it to the very end. That's what he stands for. That's what we think of when we think of him. What do you stand for? Because it's true. If you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. I've been there. I've tried so many things in my life because I didn't stand for anything. I didn't believe in anything. And I've tried and failed because without that belief, without that passion, without that obsession towards a goal, you have nothing. So my belief right now at this moment, sitting here talking to you, is that in order to live that passion-filled life, you have to stand for something. There has to be something bigger than yourself that you believe in, that you can stand by and defend to the very end. What's yours? All right, so as promised yesterday, we are starting a new segment here on the Gator Pit called Florida Fun Fact Fridays. Sounds like an event. Like it should be something big. Actually, you know what? I think I'm gonna add some. I'm gonna add some intro music to it, and I'm only gonna use this music for this segment on Friday. So let's start it again. <coughs> Hi guys, and now for the premiere episode, or for the. Well, it's not an episode. A segment. All right, guys, and now for the premiere segment. That doesn't sound right either. All right, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm thinking out loud. You guys are following me through the through the process here. So here we go. Alrighty, guys. And now it's time for Florida Fun Fact Friday. All right. <laughs> we made it. We made it to the segment. You guys had to stay with me and, and bear with me while I dealt with the creative process. But here we are, Florida Fun Fact Friday. I'm going to come here every week and give you some fun facts, some interesting tidbits on Florida. And today I'm going to be talking about the frozen oranges. I posted pictures on my Instagram yesterday from work where I took pictures of orange trees literally encased in ice. Icicles hanging all over the places, thick too in some places. For those of you that are listening to me on Anchor, you'll be able to click on the, the link in the uh, title of this segment. For those of you that are listening to this podcast elsewhere, check them out on Instagram, instagram.com slash Gator Johnny. It's pretty surreal. And that was some of the comments I got from people. Are these real? Like they couldn't believe that that was real because oranges, tropical fruit, ice, they don't go together. But the thing is, Florida gets cold. A lot of people don't realize that Florida, at least Central Florida, or I should say, especially Central Florida, we get a winter, not as cold as up north, obviously, but cold nonetheless. The temperatures can drop below freezing and they only do that like two, maybe three nights out of the year, which is what we've gotten so far this year. But when it happens, 
it's a different environment. It's a different ecosystem. There's different trees and different plants, different fruit, right, that can be affected by it. And oranges are no exception. Central Florida is actually a difficult place to raise oranges, to grow oranges, because of the fact that we have a cold. Now, the uh, we produce... Set here in Central Florida, we produce 70% of all the oranges that come out of the state, which is crazy because I just said it's not ideal climate and ideal weather, but that's how we do it. We do it here in Central Florida, but we also have a long history of freezes moving through and wiping out the citrus industry. Uh, this farm that I work in right here is a showcase of citrus in Claremont, Florida. Shameless plug. The <laughs> They lost everything back in 89, in the freeze of 89. But you live and learn, right? And they've kind of adapted. There's a lot of different ways to protect your trees. Some places will wrap their trees at night with a thick blanket to keep them from getting uh, too cold. Some places that are a little bigger will put blowers at the end of the rows, blowing the hot air through the, through the grove or the orchard or the vineyard. We can't do that here. We're way too big for that. We wouldn't be able to get enough blankets and the blowers wouldn't reach. So what we do is we use the water, the sprinklers, the irrigation system. We turn that on and leave it running all night. Why would we do that? Because the water that we use is lake-fed water, which means it's going to be about 60 to 65 degrees normally, even on cold nights. The surface of the water may freeze, but the bottom, you know, underneath stays about 60 to 65 degrees cold if you jump in it on a, on a hot summer's day but a lot warmer than a freezing night and, and when we know that the temperature is going to drop we'll turn that water on and we'll blast it all night long and the water will uh saturate the trees and they'll freeze like they were in the pictures and that's okay because it's not the ice that kills the trees it's the frost in the air it's the cold in the air think of it like an eskimo building an igloo out of ice to to, to stay warm in the cold Arctic weather, same concept, um, the ice protects them. Now, we leave the water running all night so that it doesn't get too thick, so it doesn't get too hard to freeze. Um, but that's how we protect them. The warm water, the tree absorbs a lot of that water before freezing, so the core temperatures go up, the ice protects it on the outside, and the water continuing to flow all night, blast it all night, is going to create a mist in the groves, which actually will raise the temperatures three, four degrees, not a lot, but enough to make a difference. And that's how we keep our trees and our oranges going. And that's how they survive. Although they have been known to survive temperatures as low as 20, but not for long. You know, we always turn it on because we never know how long that cold's gonna last overnight. Luckily, the past couple of nights that it was that cold below freezing was only a matter of hours. It stayed cold, but actually below freezing was just a matter of hours. So it was okay, they survived. But yes, that's why those pictures were taken because it looked surreal, but that's why they were iced over because we were blasting them with water all night long to protect them. And guess what? They're still here. They're still standing. The oranges are still on them and they still look beautiful. So there you go. A Florida fun fact for you brought to you by Gator Johnny. All right, moving on. I don't think... Uh, oh, I do have a call-in. Huh. All right, let's get to it. Gator Johnny, I'm just curious about the invasive species of snakes like pythons. Um, 
how intrusive right now are they and how big of a problem is it in Florida? And is is the state actually doing much against this, what's going on? I mean, it, it's pretty, pretty hard to control something that is so not normal to the normal to that environment, you know, or that particular part of the world, but in other parts it is. So I'm just curious um, what's being done or how much is being done towards uh, getting rid of those, uh, those you know, evasive species like snakes and uh, other creatures that don't belong. Anyhow, thanks for your time. Jason B., thanks for the call in. Um... What is being done? I mean, what can you do, really? This is an animal that can hide in plain sight. I don't care how big they are. Just to kind of give you an example of what we're up against when dealing with snakes and how easy it is for them to hide. When I used to wrestle alligators, we, we worked with a lot of reptiles. And, and some of the reptiles we worked with were large, you know, 10 to 12 foot uh, constrictors, pythons, boas, things like that. And one, and we we kept them in a in a building, a small building. You know, like a like a two bedroom cracker house. Well, we, I say we, just because it was a department. But someone left the enclosure window open on one of the snakes, and then when I went in to get another one to use for a show, I saw the window was open. And I thought maybe it was off-property. Maybe they had taken it to do an off-property gig or something. But when I checked the sheet, no one had signed it out. No one had, had, had recorded anything. Turns out, whoever put it away forgot to close the, 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 the window, the door, the sliding glass door. So it got out. And we're thinking, crap, this is, you know, a 12-foot snake. Where the heck, what? Where is it? <laughs> the door was closed. The window was closed. We couldn't find that thing. It took us three weeks, and we could not find it. We had accepted the fact that it was gone. We said, well, it's a snake. It might have squeezed out through a, through a pipe or through an opening in the roof or somewhere. We thought it was gone. We checked everywhere in this rather small space. Couldn't find it until one day we're in there, and we see the, the tiles, the ceiling tiles kind of moving and sagging. Well, when we go up to check, there's a snake. We had checked up there, but it wasn't there when we checked, but it was there now. So for three weeks, it gave us a slip in a small little two-room two cracker house. That's how easy it is for them to hide. Can you imagine any Everglades? As a matter of fact, they tried to hunt them down. There was a, a, a hunt. Gosh, I'm going back, I guess, seven years maybe? It's a while. But there was a hunt in Florida. Oh, maybe not. Maybe more like five. Well, anyway, there was a hunt in Florida. They, they opened it up to anyone worldwide. Hunters from around the world. Come and, come and hunt Burmese pythons. And thousands and thousands of hunters descended upon South Florida. It was crazy. It was huge. It was all over the news. They were out there for a couple of months doing their thing. I think by the end of the, the, the period, the hunting period, something like 60 snakes had been caught. 60 snakes <laughs> that's like two clutches that's nothing it didn't even make a dent because again how do you find snakes in in in, in the swamp in the, in the woods in the everglades so as far as trying to decimate the population that's kind of hard to do 
We actually, South Florida actually had some cold weather a couple of years back, which helped. But, I mean, it, you know, it only slowed it down because they are going to meet and, and more will grow and they'll eventually just become a part of the Florida ecosystem. How has it affected Florida, the ecosystem? Well, there's large patches of Everglades where there are no rodents. There are no lizards. Like, the snakes have eaten everything. <laughs> like, I, I think there was a, a report that a couple of species are on the verge of extinction because of them. So, and they're the top of the food chain. Like, what do you eat a python other than a gator, you know? So, it has affected us that way on an ecological level. And the measures that are being taken has affected all of us because they're so... The rules now for owning any exotic pet, anything from an exotic roach that you want to feed to your lizards, to a gator, anything, are so strict now that basically... You have to jump through impossible hoops to own something, which is good and bad because it's good because it keeps people who don't know what they're doing from owning exotic pets legally. But it's bad because it makes it hard for us who do know what to do, makes it hard for us to do so. And bottom line, if you want to buy a snake, you're going to, you know what I mean? Like legal or not, it's going to happen. And then you're going to release it because it's too big. And then that's what happens. So, but like I said, in another segment, a lot of it has to do with storms too, hurricanes that came through and demolished zoos and warehouses and pet stores and the animals get out. I mean, it's just a messy situation and you deal with it the best you can and you just make do. Thanks for the calling. Oh, thank you. Hey, thanks so much for participating in You Might Be an Anchor Addict If. Always a fun segment and great to have you as a part of it. Here's one more for you. You might be addicted to Anchor if you spend all day, every day, recording segments, which you then put together at the end of the day to publish as an episode, as a podcast, the next day, every day. Thanks for the calling. Oh, thank you. And that's going to wrap up our show. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for calling in. Thanks for all the engagement. That's awesome. The echoes, the comments, the um, the call-ins here on Anchor. It's awesome. Uh, for those of you that are listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pocket Casts, Overcasts, come on over to Anchor. Anchor.fm. It's fun because you're not only podcasting like you're not only uh creating content you're interacting with other people as well which is awesome that's what makes anchor unique it makes it different from podbean it makes it different from spreaker you have a whole community of people not only that are going to be listening to your stuff they'll be calling in they'll be commenting y'all will be connecting give anchor a try i think you guys will enjoy it but anyway i will be back on monday uh starting off the show with the monday do-over and we'll just take it from there so from the gator pit i'm gator johnny i'm out later y'all